Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minute. Same your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Thursday, June 24th, 2021, and more commitments, more commitments, more commitments. Again, the Big Ten really flexing their muscle. Uh, not just the Big Ten, to be honest with you, but teams all across the country. Uh, really flexing their recruiting muscle because it's right about that time where the 22 class, they've moved on, it's their time, and they finally got an opportunity to get in front of the coaching staffs and to see other schools. So there's a lot of movement. And there was one commit yesterday out of the four of them inside the Big Ten that I warned you about. I told you the other day that Illinois wide receiver Ian Pugh decided that he was going to decommit from Cincinnati and that all signs were pointing to him pledging to the in-state Illini. Well, that's exactly what happened yesterday as Pugh opted to stay home and this is significant in my estimation, and it's going to be continually significant because the state of Illinois has a lot of high-end talent in my estimation. You know, As a guy that has seen a lot of these guys, including Pew, although I haven't seen Pew in over a year. I saw him at a couple camps last year right uh, you know, during the, the COVID offseason. Uh, and unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to run into him again since then. So uh, our relationship isn't the greatest, I would say. But, you know, we still know of each other. But either way, the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of these young men uh, kind of went around and, uh, in Pew's case, had an offer from Cincinnati and, and made a pledge. And this was obviously prior to the dead period. And, you know, a guy like him, uh, that made a lot of sense. Uh, And I've actually talked to a few other players in that same boat. The 22 class is really getting the shaft here. And it wouldn't surprise me to see more guys flip. The reason being is because right now, because of the fact that the NCAA is giving away free year to everyone, doesn't matter how many games you played, to everyone, that it's really going to, especially this class, in my estimation, I think it's there's going to be a little trickle down to the next few classes, but it's really this class, because this class is going to be the one that's really going to push some schools over the limit, and they're going to have to work their way back down to get under that 85 scholarships. And so they're going to be very careful with the prospects that they take. So you know, a guy like Pew, who has, in my estimation, a, a very high ceiling. Uh, I really like his game. I think that, you know, at 6'4", 170 pounds, uh, he is going to have to add on a little bit of weight, maybe 15 to 20 pounds, nothing crazy. Uh, but, you know, as a guy that uh, is in state, and has a lot of talent for 
Brett Bielema to say, look, we're not going to allow the high-end out of in-state talent go out of state is a stark contrast from the Lovey Smith era. Lovey would continually grab low-hanging fruit in the state and watch some of the best players go to different schools. Now, when you look at the majority of recruiting rankings, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, Luther Burden, who uh, transferred to East St. Louis uh, from Missouri. So, you know, technically he's an Illinois guy, but you could also say he's a Missouri guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure of his, you know, where his actual location is, uh, but uh, you're looking at a guy that, you know, I, I think he probably still lives in Missouri, but perhaps in Illinois, just right over the border because he's St. Louis is right there. Okay. Uh, then you're looking at a Caleb Brown. Uh, I'm sorry, Burden is uh, committed to Oklahoma. Then you're looking at like a Caleb Brown. Uh, Brown uh, committed to Ohio State. Um, and then you also have Tyler Morris. Morris just recently committed to Michigan. But those aren't the only high-level guys inside the state. There's a lot of them. And, you know, yes, Bielema hasn't gotten those top guys yet. And I think that that is coming. I, I think that it is a process right now because they haven't seen the product on the field. They know about him from when he was at Arkansas, from when he was at Wisconsin. But they haven't seen the on-field product. And I, I honestly, I think that this coming year, I think that the Illini have momentum. A lot of people are picking them to be on the lower half of the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to be the case. I actually think they're going to be closer to 500. Uh, I think that they're going to have an opportunity to get to a bowl game. And then everything is going to the windfall is going to start happening for the Illini, especially in-state. And, you know, a guy like Pew, who had solid offers, including Iowa, Indiana, Kansas, obviously Cincinnati, the best non-P5 school out there. The You know, when you look at it, Luke Fickle runs a fantastic program. I'm actually shocked that Fickle hasn't been scooped up by a major school already. I think that time is coming, uh, and you know, then Cincinnati will look to reload again because that's kind of what they do. Uh, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, yeah, yeah, you know, Cincinnati finds those guys, those up and coming guys, and they'll continue to do that in my estimation. And they've got a firm recruiting area in Ohio and and the Midwest. They don't really have to travel too far. And it sucks for them that they're losing Pew. But again, back to the Illini and, and getting Pew, man, it's just a, it's it's great to see them focusing on the state because I, I really think that that's, you know, what their bread and butter should be, keeping the best players in state. And then you can go out of state to fill in the rest of the class with guys that, you know, fit what they're looking for. So a very nice commitment for the Fighting Illini. Indiana goes to the neighboring state 
out east in Ohio and grabs offensive tackle Carter Smith. Smith is a very solid prospect at 6'6", 275 pounds, a ton of offers, including Tennessee, Virginia, Auburn, Northwestern, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska. I like this pickup for Indiana. This is the kind of pickup that the Hoosiers win on. They really do. And uh, I think Tom Allen, you know, especially after this past weekend where they had a big weekend as well, uh, I think that Tom Allen has really just got this program headed in the right direction. Uh, One more season, I think, where you see them really competing and doing well and, and and when I say competing I mean you know competing with the big schools again you know they, they've got to be on that level that Michigan Penn State level and then they can get to that Ohio State level I mean they almost knocked off the Buckeyes I think that you know that game this past year I think the Buckeyes kind of you know shut it down a little bit in the second half and, and you know Justin Fields did not play very well but you know, you have to give some credit to Indiana for, for doing that. You know, they have to play as well. And they played a full 48 and Ohio state probably played 36. uh, If you look at it. So I love this commitment that Indiana is getting from Carter Smith. Really do really do. Uh, Michigan offered California quarterback, Jaden Denegal, at a camp yesterday, and it didn't take Denegal very long to make his pledge to Michigan. He liked what he saw at 6'4", 215 pounds, also had offers from Auburn, Georgia, Arkansas, Michigan State. Uh, Denegal fits the mold. Um, you know, I, I think that they didn't need to, you know, I'm not going to say they didn't need to get an elite guy, uh, especially after J.J. McCarthy uh, grabbing him this past year. But they need to get a guy that you know, kind of fit the mold of what they were looking for. Uh, because in, in my estimation, uh, I think that, you know, McCarthy is going to play a lot this year. And I think he's going to force Cade McNamara to transfer. And you're going to have to have some a little bit of depth there. And that's what Denegal is going to bring. Uh, I, I don't, you know, he's a guy that I wouldn't say is a project, but He's a guy that's probably going to sit for a couple years, uh, learn the offense, work through everything, and then be ready uh, after McCarthy's time is over. So uh, a very solid pickup for Michigan. Uh, again, I think that you know that's something that they need to continue to watch for. Uh, they need to watch and continue to recruit high-level skill position players. And it can't just be that one-off. And they've had those one-offs. Uh, you know, they've had, like, this past recruiting cycle, their 21 cycle, very, very impressive with some of the skill position players that they've got. But they need to continue to get more and more and more. And Denegal's a, a guy that does help that. He'll he'll move the needle a little bit. Um, solid offer list. You know, you, you like the fact that he's got offers from all across the country. He pretty much could have went anywhere he wanted. And, you know, when he made this commitment, part of what he said is he always, you know, envisioned himself playing big time football. And, you know, I, I would make a little bit of an argument that, uh, that Michigan's not quite big time right now. I think they're, you know, a tier back, but it's close. You know, I, I think they're right on the cusp of really getting to a point where they could say that 
they're in that little group. They just need to break through. Harbaugh needs some big wins. Harbaugh needs to win the Big Ten East. Hands down, plain and simple. He hasn't in his tenure so far. Uh, you know, And it's very interesting because the way that the NFL views the Wolverines, so they don't have those, you know, that, that super high level talent, uh, you know, but not a lot of teams do. But, you know, over the past couple of years, they've really, really had a lot of guys drafted. A lot of guys drafted. They're going to continue to have more guys drafted. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, the coaching gets in the way. And this might be a case here. But either way, I think that they're close. They're close to a breakthrough. Always been a solid program. They just haven't been in that top tier of the Big Ten recently. But I think they're close. I think they can make a move. But again, I I still think they need to stack back-to-back-to-back classes where they're getting those elite skill position players. They did well in 21. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, they did well. But they can't just have it be a one-off. Harbaugh needs to continue to go out and get those type of recruits. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think they're close. I do. I think they're, you know, a couple breaks here and there where you're looking at a team that could be viewed completely differently than they are right now. Wisconsin also got a commitment yesterday. They went into Michigan and grabbed wide receiver Tommy McIntosh. I love the size here at 6'5", 203 pounds. Already has that Big Ten frame. Already. You know, 203, you know, when, when you look at you know, a guy like Pew, who's you know skinny, long, athletic, and then a guy like McIntosh, who is long, athletic, and big, you know, there's a difference between getting on the field right away and getting on the field a year to two to three years later. And I think that you're going to see McIntosh make an impact early for the Badgers, in my estimation. I think he's an underrated guy. I think that, you know, when you look at his offer list, is very good as well in Indiana, Iowa, Texas, Vanderbilt, West Virginia. And a couple others, of course. But, you know, I really like what he was offering. Uh, I think that you're looking at what Wisconsin does. You know, they like to have their big body wide receivers. And I think McIntosh fits that exact mold. A quick note on the NCAA in general regarding name image likeness before I head off for the morning. And that has to do with the fact that the July 1st timeline that has been given by Mark Emmer, it's coming. It's close. It is right there. And when you look at what's going on, multiple states have already you know, given the green light for NIL, uh, and that happens on the 1st of next month. So we're talking about a week away. And when this goes into effect, 
there's going to be a lot of legislation. And pretty much what's going on is the NCA is looking to bridge that, to make it so that these players in the states who have not passed legislation can get the same opportunities as the players in the states who have passed that legislation. And to me, this is finally a movement that the NCA is showing that they're pro-player. Finally. Finally. Especially after the legislation uh, that came through uh, earlier in the week where they pretty much said that they can't stop. You know, the, the court system said they can't stop the players from making money on their name, image, likeness. And I wholeheartedly believe that. You know, I went over this the other day as well. And, you know, I, I used Justin Fields as an example, but there are so many other examples. So many other examples. Take Rashawn Slater, for example, at Northwestern. Yeah. Great education at Northwestern. Young man spent three years there. But think about the marketing opportunities that he would have had. Yes, you know, you're you're looking at, you know, forty thousand dollars a year scholarship. So, you know, Slater only ended up spending three years, but you know, it, uh, most schools allow the athlete to come back and and finish their degree, I, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if Slater did finish his degree or not. I apologize for not knowing that information. But think about, you know, him or, or Greg Newsom, you know, the the most recent two Northwestern stars to get drafted in the first round, early entry guys. Everyone knew these guys, everyone. And Chicago's a massive market. Think about how many marketing opportunities they would have had had this been around. Their scholarships would, uh, you know, the money that was brought in just by them worth way more than just, you know, let's even say they're $50,000 scholarships because Northwestern's not a cheap school to go to. So 50000 a year. They'll get two hundred thousand for, you know, full four years. Two fifty, if you happen to do, you know, a fifth year, and stay with the school. Do you think those players are worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars to the school, or are they worth closer to two, three, four million dollars to the school? It's in the millions. And for them to now be able to make some capital off of this and it's it's a long time coming now this gets rid of boosters pretty much the bad side of collegiate athletics the really bad side i mean think if you think about the the booster aspect of it's it's terrible it's very bad but now these players are able to make money legitly and support their families. Because not all these guys are going to make it in the NFL. Let's be real here. Or the NBA or you know, soccer, 
swimming, whatever sport they play, track and field, whatever sport they play. And for them to be able to monetize themselves and make some money, because remember, uh, the majority, and, and, and let's go back to the fact that the majority of these athletes aren't full ride athletes. Really, the only athletes are full riders are football players and men and women's basketball. The majority of the rest of the money is partial. So, you know, say you're on a baseball scholarship. You know, maybe you get $25,000 a year. Maybe you get $12,500 a year. But you're still on the hook for the rest of that money. How do you pay that if you come from a low-income family? It's difficult. Loans upon loans upon loans. But now, there's an opportunity for those players to come out of college without debt. Because they should be able to. Why wouldn't they? Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that, you know, somebody gets a music scholarship and they create an album. And the album sells. You know, they make sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars off of the album. Is the school gonna pull their scholarship because they made that money? No. They're gonna the school's gonna parade them around and say, This is the the next prodigy, you know, of you know piano prodigy or you know, violin prodigy, etc., whatever. No. They're gonna parade that around. They're going to keep their scholarship. So what's the difference? There isn't. And I'm so glad the NCAA is finally moving on with this. Because it's about damn time. It really is. These players, they deserve better than what the NCAA has been doing to them over the past 40, 50 years. I mean, you look, look at those TV contracts. Players don't touch any of that. It's very refreshing to see that the NCAA is finally trying to be a pro player because for a long time they haven't been. So it's, it's, it's very nice to see. And that'll do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Uh, go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, review share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Thursday, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.